Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. These podcasts are recordings of our Sunday morning worship experiences here at Summit Church in Canyon, Texas. If you're looking for a church home, we want to invite you and your family to be a part with us every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information about Summit Church, you can visit YourSummitChurch.com. We believe that God wants to speak to you, and we pray that your life is encouraged and inspired through today's message. If you guys can bring the lights up, get your Bibles out or your... Um, whew, you keep playing that music. We may not get to the Word this morning. Doesn't that, does, don't you just feel the presence of God when we praise the Lord, when you worship God? Just sense the presence of God. make room for you Jesus we're going to make room for you in our lives we're going to make room for you in our thoughts we're going to make room for you we're not filling our lives up with things that don't matter but we're making room for you Jesus do whatever you want to your way is better <laughs> we can look all around of us and see your way is better Come on, say that with me. Lord, your way is better. Hallelujah. Well, today we're going to continue our series called Starting Strong. And uh, I'm going to talk to you today, the message entitled, Setting the Pace for the Race. And uh, we're, we're taking a text out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. And if you'll read it with me, it should go up on the screen. Or if you want to get your Bible out or your your uh, device or whatever you read the Bible on. And I'm reading out of the NIV version of the Bible, so if that helps. So if you're with this church online, it should go up on the screen, but you should get this out, take notes. If you want to take notes also, that we have version. I don't know if you know what that is, but version is, uh, it's an app, it's a Bible app, and our notes are in that. So you can go to that and find it, just go to the events and click on the events, and it'll take you right to the notes for this message today. You'll see your Summit Church, you can just click on that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Let's read it. Everyone read with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such, opposi- such opposition. I'm definitely becoming uh, more, uh, well, let's just move on. Such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Everybody say that last part again. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Father, thank you for your word. Put it deep inside of us today. Help us to grow. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them how much you're glad they're here. Just say, I'm so glad you're here. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm so glad you get to sit by me today. Turn to one more neighbor and say, you look like you're losing weight. Somebody tell me that, please, today. I need to hear it. Hey, listen, you can get these at the Information Center. Uh, it's just these little cards called Spread the Joy, and you're going to find out a lot more about this. We've kind of kind of done a soft open talking about Spread the Joy from last weekend, I mean from last 
the last part of 2020 and into the first part of 2021. But this is, this is going to be a part of our total vision this year. And so one of the things we're doing is we're asking people to connect with bringing joy to people's lives. Bringing joy to people's lives. So if you're, if you're an online church and you're not ready to come out yet, we can, we can send a package of these to, uh, with you. Uh, you, can, you can do anything. Like we, we, we've got a partnership with uh, Stevens Flowers right now where you can uh, buy a certain, they've got a spread the joy bouquet that we've partnered with them to do. And you can send a note on the back of one of these cards and you can have it delivered or you can go take it yourself. But it's a really, really good thing. And it just brightens someone's day. Sitting in a restaurant, you, 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 you feel the Holy Spirit prompt you to, you know, hey, buy their dinner. Man, just send them a little card or give it to the waitress and say, I'm going to buy your dinner, just trying to spread the joy. And, and, and the reason we're doing this is because we, we, we're done with the negative, right? We're done with all the, the, all the mean-spirited, hateful. And you know what? You don't, you do, we don't get that to stop. We don't get that to stop by being more mean-spirited and hateful. I don't know if you know that. The co competition with that doesn't win. Like, if, if you're trying to get other people to be less harsh by being more harsh, that's not going to work. How many of you agree with that? But the way we change things is we carry the love of Jesus. And what is our joy? What joy are we spreading? Jesus is our joy. The gospel is our joy. Amen? So I want you to do that today. Take some of those cards back there. Do something nice for somebody and just say, we're doing this to spread the joy. And then post it on Post it on uh, social media if you're on social media. And, and you say, well, I don't want people to know what I did. Yes, you do. And, 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 and not because it's you that did it or you're so proud. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to create an atmosphere and a culture that takes place of negativity with positivity. Okay? So, and, and not just being positive, but the gospel. Amen? So you guys be kind this week. Turn to your neighbor and say, be kind. Turn to your spouse. Turn your spouse and say, be kind to me. Janae. Last night, I was just minding my own business. I had had a long day, and I want to say welcome to Scotty and Shelly Haynes. The, they are here, and they, they're not here visiting. They are here to stay, and we're excited that they're here. So glad. And uh, we were helping them move in last night, and we'd had a long day, and we went home, and I just said, I'm just going to chill for a little bit. And then as I'm sitting there chilling, Janae is in our bedroom, and she, uh, she said, David, David, come in here. You've got to see this. And I, and I, and I, I was like, hey, you know, I mean, that, I mean, I'm just saying, hey, you know, I mean, <laughs> let's just say I got in there quick. Anyway. When I got in there, she had taken a bath, and she had gotten out. And you, you know what those, those bath bombs, you, you, you ladies know what a bath bomb is. It's like some kind of soap thing you put in your, and it just blows up, and it suds, and it's just supposed to help you. And, and so she had gotten one uh, from a parent of, uh, in her class, and, 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 she, and it was just like this unbelievable bluish green. And so... You know, we, we live outside of Canyon, so we have a well. And, and, and she was like, she, she said, you, come in here. You've got to see this. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what this is. I don't know what's happening. And I walk in, and the bathtub is full of just green water. 
And she's like, what, what are we going to do? And I'm like, Janae, you're tricking me. She said, no, I'm not. I don't know what to do. This is ridiculous. We're going to pay all this money. This is going to cost us thousands of dollars to fix this. I don't know what we're going to do. And I mean, I, I had this feeling inside that she was messing with me. But then I was thinking, when she started talking about money, I was, you know, that guys, you know what I'm talking about. That was like got my attention. Oh, God, thousands of dollars. What? And I'm looking at that, and I literally... I get down on my hands and knees. I'm smelling of the water in the bathtub. And, and then I walk over to the sink and I turn the sink on. And it just clears a bell. And she, she even gets in there and she's like, well, that's weird. It's clear as a bell. And I'm, in my mind, is just not getting it. I'm just like, what is going on? I turn the shower on. It's clear as a bell. I walk back over to the bathtub and I lean down and I'm smelling and I'm looking and I notice there's like this little, these sparkly things all in. And I thought, I was literally thinking, is, is this some kind of chemical? Is this what, what is going on? I mean, I was freaking out. And then I looked up and Janae had this little, oh Lord, I can't believe, who did Who's going in our house taking pictures? What in the world? So I, I literally, I literally was so freaked out. And then I looked up and Janae had this, this grin on her face that her dad used to always have when he was messing with you. And I just like, oh, girl, I'm going to, I was all set. I mean, I was excited. And you had me thinking we we're going to have to pay thousands of dollars. And I said, get away from me, woman. And I went in the other room. No, I'm joking. We want to start strong. Here, here's what I know about finishing well. We talked a little bit about this last week, but here's what I know about finishing well. You know, there are people who have overcome unbelievable odds that didn't get a good start. That they started weak. That they, they, didn't, they weren't off the blocks fast enough or first. And they got behind in the race. But Ultimately, they caught up and they won the race. We know that there are stories like that. But to be honest, those stories are not common. Those stories are rare. That's why you hear about those stories, because they're so rare. But the truth is, when people finish strong or finish well, it's usually because they have been the kind of person who started strong and ran hard throughout the race. And the reason they finish so well is because their life is consistently moving in the direction it's supposed to be moving. And today I want to talk to you about setting the pace for the race. Last week we talked about the three different ways to start strong. And the first way was setting the pace for the race. And so today I want to tell you specifically how to set the pace for the race. And this passage of scripture is very good to help us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I love the last part of that scripture because here's what it's basically saying. That when we go through life, we should have one thought. We should have one mindset. And that is we should position our life with Jesus' life as the backdrop. Because no matter what's going on in my life, I can set Jesus' life as the backdrop. And that gives me perspective. The perspective is that Jesus 
Consider that Jesus went through all that he went through. And when you can consider that, the same power that raised him from the dead dwells in you. It means then that you can do what he did. You can overpower the things that are obstacles to you or that stand in your way. Amen? Amen. You know, we have a lot better chance of finishing well if we start strong. So how do we set the pace for the race? Number one, run the race that's marked out for you. Run the race that's marked out for you. Everybody say that with me. Run the race that's marked out for you. There's a real problem in today's world. And, and I see this a lot in Christian lives and Christian hearts and all of us really because we, we have a tendency not to understand this concept that God has a race for us specifically. It's not just an overall general race that's a part of it, but he has a specific race he wants each of us to run. And many times we find ourselves trying to run a race that's not our race to run. I, I love it when they came to, the, to John the Baptist. John the Baptist was preaching and thousands of people were coming out and they were watching John the Baptist and they were hearing his message. And his message was so different. He was saying, repent for the kingdom of his heaven is at hand. And he was calling out all the religious establishment. And it was just an exciting thing to see. And people were gathering and they were going down the river Jordan and they were being baptized in the river. And they were being brought out a new life, a new way of living, a new way of thinking. And they came to Jesus, I mean they came to John the Baptist because they, had, they knew that there were prophecies that one was coming who would be the Messiah. And so they came out to ask John the Baptist. They just said basically this. They said, we see you preaching this message. We see you doing these things. So who are you? And that was the question they asked. The question they asked was in the affirmative. Who are you? And John answered them in the negative. He said, I am not. And I think that's interesting, don't you? Uh, they all came out to him you're, you're this amazing teacher you're this amazing preacher thousands of people are following you and you're, you're baptizing them people's lives are changing it's an amazing thing to see who are you? they were basically saying why do you have this authority? who gave you this authority? who are you to do this? and John's response was literally a manifestation of what he had said to his disciples when Jesus did come on the scene and all the disciples began to follow Jesus and leave him and one of his disciples said why are everybody following Jesus and not staying with you and John had one very interesting thing to say I must decrease and he must increase you know we need to think of that in our lives every day but the only way we can understand what our race is to run is we first have to understand what our race is not to run. And John the Baptist understood it. He said, I am not the Messiah. It's an interesting thing that we spend so much time trying to figure out who am I and what, are, what am I to do. And we spend no time contemplating who am I not. Un unpeeling the layers of falseness and and the, the masks that we've put on over time, and maybe masks that we've put on ourselves, maybe masks that other people have put on us. And we spend no time really contemplating and saying, I got to get that off. That's not really me. That's not my race. I got to get this off. That's not, you know, that's the very definition of hypocrite. Hypocrite is not somebody that says one thing and does another. Hypocrite is a person who speaks from behind a mask. 
Uh, the hypo was in Greek theater, that mask that they would use so they could play several different parts. So I'd wear one mask for this part, and then I'd put on another mask that was called a hypa in the Greek language. Or some people say hippa, but I think it's hypa. And, 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 and that's where we get the terminology hypocrite. It means, or hip, hypocrite. It means to speak from behind a mask. In other words, who's talking is one person, who you see is another. We as people who are going to fulfill purpose have to understand that there is a purpose for us, but it is specific to us. And if I'm going to really set the pace for my race, i got to be running my race. can't be running somebody else's race. You can't run someone else's race, and they can't run your race. Can I just say something to you, and, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, and I don't want this to come off harsher or like I don't care or like, or, or like I'm being mean. But it's a truth, and it's a truth that, that we, especially in the Bible Belt, need to grab a hold of. Because many of us feel like if I've, if I've been raised in a culture that is Christian, I'm Christian. If I've been raised in a house where my, my parents know God and they take us to church and we read the Bible and we pray, then I'm a Christian. And it's true in the sense that maybe you are a Christian by belief or by, by philosophy or ideology. But being a Christian that way is no different than being a, a Buddhist. It's no different than being a Muslim. It's no different than being any other religion, religions we would call false religions. It's no different. Why? Because what I'm doing is I'm expecting my atmosphere or my culture to create my spirituality. And it doesn't work that way. In other words, I'm letting somebody else run my race thinking I'm running. Because you can't go to heaven unless you know Jesus for yourself. You can't go to heaven unless you are born again and your life has been changed by Christ. You don't go to heaven because you attend church, even though it's a great thing to do. You don't go to heaven because you read the Bible once in a while, even though it's a fantastic thing to do. You do it very long and you're going to end up getting saved anyway. But the truth is, you go to heaven because you know Jesus. You know Jesus. And he knows you. Isn't it interesting that there are going to be people, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, that stand before Jesus in the last day, and they say things like, didn't we do this for you, and didn't we do that for you? You can even do good things in the name of Christianity, and then stand before Jesus and him say, ah, I don't know you. You can't stay. We don't have a relationship. Because Christianity is more than an atmosphere, more than a culture, more than a way of life in the sense of this is how my family does it. This is, we're all running this race. Unless you get in the race yourself, unless you put the gear on, unless you get to the starting line, unless you go when the gun shot, shoots, shots, or whatever it does, you, you go and you run. You run. Your mom and dad don't run and you watch. Your kids don't run and you watch from the stands. Your grandparents don't run and you look up in the stand. You're like, look at my grandparents go. Aren't they awesome? Aren't they wonderful? Aren't they beautiful? Why aren't you down there running? This is how we have to think. You can't run someone else's race and they cannot run your race for you. We must know what the race marked out for is. 
Like there's a race marked out for us as Christians, as believers, but there's also a specific race marked out for you. We see it all throughout the scripture where God has a purpose for you, for you. What is it? A lot of times we just, we go through the motions of life and then we just say, that must have been what God wanted. Now, I know that we don't all purposefully say that, but that's kind of how it goes. That's how we think, in a sense, right? We, we, we grow up the way we grew up, and, and we find God at some point in there, and, and then we go to college, or we go directly into the workforce, and we do what we do, and we raise our family, and we do the activities as a family, and we, and we do what we do, and, and that must have been what God wanted, right? Because God is sovereign, and He chooses. But see, there's a problem with that. All throughout our lives, especially once we get saved, there are moments where God is waiting for us to decide. God is waiting for us to choose because God gave us a free will to choose. And in all of that, just living regular life, we've made decisions either to go his way or our way. I love that song because it just declares over and over and over again, your way is better, your way is better. Your... And I feel like if we could just confess that enough out of our mouth, it would get down in our heart. That we don't need to wrestle with God. We don't need to rebel against God. We don't need to say, God, I'll, I'll come back to you when I need you. No, we just can admit, God, your way is better. I'm going to do it how you want to do it. When you say to do it, I'm going to do it. Your way is better. When you say what to do, I'm going to do that. Your way is better. Come on, are y'all with me? Your word says it, I'm going to do it. Your way is better. Your word says it, it may rub against something in my heart. It may convict me of some problem in my life. It may make me feel uncomfortable because our current cultural context. But I'm sticking with your word because it's better. <laughs> it's better, y'all. God has a purpose for you. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 in NIV, for it is God who works in you to, to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. When we have this relationship with God, listen, God created you with specific purpose. And when you get saved or you come into a relationship with Jesus and you decide to follow him, he changes you from the inside out. Not only does he redeem you as a person, but he redeems everything he put in you and he purposed for you when he created you. And he anticipates and expects that what he purposed for you is what's going to manifest in your life if you submit to him and do what he says. And that's where real life is, y'all. That's where real life is. Fulfilled life, satisfied life. How much of the time do we spend trying to fill our lives up with certain things thinking that's the thing I am, that's my race to run, and then we just, it doesn't feel right, and it doesn't, I never feel satisfied, and I never feel whole, and why, why am I not, just can't get to that, because we're filling our life up with things that aren't our race. It'd be like going out and running a sprint, and you've trained for a marathon. Now, unless you're that guy that ran the marathon in under an hour, I mean under two hours the first time, then, then that, you, you, you're going to have a hard time. Of course, he, he could run a sprint faster than most people can run a sprint. But it's like, it would be like if you went out to run a race and you were fully clothed in your good attire that you're going out on a date on with, with your boots and your vest and your hat and everything and you go out and you're running trying to race other people who are in the right equipment. 
When we run the race that is not our race to run, we feel ill-equipped, we feel laborious, we feel like we can't get it done, we feel like we'll never measure up, we feel like we don't matter. But when we line up at the starting line of the race that Jesus intends for us to run and we submit our life to his desires and his wills and his purpose for our life, we feel like we're in our lane. That's the way your Christian life. Does that mean you're not going to have obstacles? No, there are going to be hurdles in your life. There will be. There are going to be struggles that you face. There are going to be times that going through the training, it's going to hurt. And it's going to be painful and it's going to be hard. But you just keep running. You just keep doing it. Why? Because you know I'm in my lane. Acts chapter 13 verse 36. It says this. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Man, I want so much for that to be the epitaph of my life. Uh, David the king, we know all the stories about David. We know everything he did. We know all the failures and the victories. We know all the challenges and the things that he did and the giants that he faced and the wars that he won and the thing, the temple that he prepared for to be built and he's still known as the greatest king of Israel. This is who David is. But here's the simple fact of what David did with his life. The Bible says that When David had served God's purpose in his own generation. See, God has a purpose for you and a time for you to fulfill it. That's why I don't worry about today, y'all. I don't worry about, can we handle it? Is it going to be okay? What's going to happen? I don't worry about it. God put us here right now for this time. He put us in this place and in this time. And he's saying to us, look, if you'll just submit to me and run the race that I've given you to run and f- let me fulfill my purpose in you, you will be, when it, whenever it refers in the Bible to he fell asleep, that is a reference to dying in peace. I want to be able to put my head, if Jesus doesn't come first, I want to be able to put my head on the pillow when it's my time to go and know that I can die with complete peace knowing that I ran the race God had for me. He trusted me to run it when he told me to run it, how he told me to run it, where he told me to run it, and I'm going to run it for him. Come on. Is anybody here today? Amen. Say amen. Just want to know you're listening. You're not a mistake. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. God knew what he was doing when he created you, when he put you together. And sometimes we get caught up in our own selves and our selfish ambition or our self-interest. We, we, we get caught up in our insecurities and our doubts in and of ourselves. And, and, and we need to remind ourselves what Jeremiah said in the Old Testament. He said, does the potter ask, or the clay ask the potter, why'd you make me like this? No, the clay just is molded by the potter and lets the potter make a beautiful vessel out of its life. The clay brings what it is and who it is to the table and and then allows God to begin to, or the potter to begin to add water, the Holy Spirit, to our lives and begin to shape that great vessel that he wants to use to pour out his grace, to pour out his love, to pour out his purpose in this earth and in this place and in the lives of other people. 
And we shouldn't be saying, well, God, why did you make this? I, I'm not pretty enough, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, uh, intelligent enough, or I'm not the right person or the right thing. Or the, How many people did God use? And that was the first thing they said. I mean, can't we read it throughout the scripture? Well, I'm not good. You know, Moses. Moses is the great deliverer. The children of Israel, the Israelis right now still view Moses as the big dog. The ones who don't receive Jesus as the Messiah. Moses is the man. But Moses said when God come and called him, why'd you make me like this? I can't talk right. I can't do it right. I, I can't, I, I'm not bold enough. I, I, I did some mistakes in the past. I can't, God, who are you talking to? And so God finally gets mad and just says, oh, just do it. I, I, don't, I don't want God talking to me like that. Not because I don't think it's right, because I don't want him to have to talk to me like that. I want when God says, listen, David, I want to use you to do this. I want to say, I want this to be my response. Okay. Everybody say that word with me. Okay. Wouldn't that be much easier? How many would love that if your kids? Come on, somebody. Don't shout me down. I mean, if you just said, hey, I really need you to mow the yard like right now. Your kids went, yes, sir, Daddy. I'd love it. I love to. I love to get the mower out. I love to go down and get the gas. I love to put it in. Does the oil need to be changed in the mower, Daddy? As a matter of fact, it does, son. I got it, Daddy. How many of you would just like pass out? The truth is, that's what as parents, when we look at our kids, that's how we think. I wish, I wish you know, Janae's, Janae and uh, and Taylor were working with uh, our little uh, granddaughter the other day, Lindley, and say they got this little thing going that you get a thumbs up if you if you obey quickly, or if you uh, if if you say something kind, or you behave nice, or you respond well, and you obey quickly, then you get a thumbs up, and it's on this little app. And Lindley always wants to run over, let me do it, let me do it. And then she hits the thumb and it goes, bring, and she goes, thumbs up, you know. You know, there's a lot of theological substance there. That's what our life is like. We want God to bless our life. But the Bible says it's the willing and the obedient that eat the good of the land. So if we really want that blessing on our life, then what our response should be when God is prompting us or God is through his word teaching us or the Holy Spirit kind of nudges us about something, it should never be, oh, but I got stuff to do and I've got things going on and, I, you know, I just, God, I don't know, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. I don't want people to think I'm weird. I don't want to be, you know, and instead, what if we just said, yep, absolutely I'll do it, God. What, what anything else? Wouldn't that be interesting if we could respond to God this way? Anything else you want me to do? Because I have the time. Instead of, oh, God, I really just don't have the time. Well, that's going to be weird standing before God one day. Wouldn't it be weird? If, let's turn the tables on that for a minute and ask, what would it be like if we're standing before God and God says to us, man, I really wanted to use you. There are a lot of things that I could have done through your life. Man, your whole neighborhood had potential to be saved and come into the kingdom. 
man, you, I had a business thing that I was going to give you influence and you would be able to share my gospel in a bigger sphere and it was going to be prosperous for your family, but you didn't have time because we were running around doing a lot of really important stuff. <laughs> Y'all don't look at me so serious. It's true, right? Don't we want our kids responding in such a willing and quick way to what we need them to do? That's how God is wanting for us. Just respond. Run your race. I've got training for you. I've got opportunity for you. I've got purpose for you. Just run your race. If you just run it, if you just run your race, it'll all turn out okay. David died in peace. Why? Because he fulfilled the purpose of God in his generation. You're not a mistake. You didn't get here by accident. You were created with purpose. And when you have a relationship with God, His intention is that that purpose be manifest. And there's a general purpose for us. There's a general purpose for us. The general purpose is the will of God for all of us. This is very practical. It's going to help. You should take notes on this. The general purpose of God is what every believer should do. What every believer should do. It's amazing to me how often we'll spend time just, God, what do you want me to do? God, it's, a, it's just a mystery. And we make excuses of not doing things simply because we're waiting on God to out of the heavens somehow say, you know, like God's going to speak. Boom, boom. Go to Africa. Boom. Go to Asia. Boom. How many of you have ever heard God? Well, audibly not just rap but audibly how many how many he speaks to us with a still small voice in our heart he speaks to us as we're reading the word he speaks to us maybe through an encouragement from someone else he speaks to us when we walk outside and get into nature and we look around and God just might get us in a quiet moment and speak to us God will speak to us he he will use us but we have to understand look we have a purpose, and there's a general purpose for all of us, but we don't want to make excuses for not doing the specific purpose of God because it's a mystery. I mean, why would, you know, the Apostle Paul, he would just go preach somewhere. And then the only reason he wouldn't go is if God told him to stop. Like he had a plan, he had a purpose, he was going, I'm going to go to this town, then I'm going to go to that town, and I'm going to go, we're going to set up churches here, we're going to set up churches there, and then we're going to go back in and we're going to check on them, we're going to make sure they're spiritually grown, we're going to make sure the community's being impacted, we're going to make sure lives are being changed, we're going to make sure people are following the word of God and doing what the word of God says, and he had a plan. And the only time that plan would change is when God would say, stop, I don't want you to go there, I want you to go there. And we sometimes as Christians, we just go about our life and just wait on God to tell us something. And then we go, okay, now I'm going to give it all for God. It doesn't work that way. Come on, we have to live our life out, our faith out with the purpose of God. So there's a couple of things that are general purposes for all of us. Romans 8, 29, it says that those he pre uh, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his dear son. So the whole purpose for all of us as believers, the first purpose is that we become like Jesus. That's it. So if someone says, I just don't know what to do, I'm saved, I don't know what to do, here's what you tell them. Just become like Jesus. Is that a strange thing to hear nowadays because we, we, we have this defeatist, the spiritually defeatist mentality of I'm just no good and I'm just, I'm just a sinner and I'm just going to sin I, every second I sin. And I'm just going to sin every second and I can never not sin because I'm always sinning. <laughs> I'm not making fun. I'm just saying I'm tired of that. It's not theologically correct. 
God gives us power to grow and develop in him. And yes, we all have the capability of sin, but we do not have to live in a lifestyle of sin. The Bible is very clear that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us and shall quicken our mortal body. And Peter said, give every effort to holiness and godliness, which means stop compromising all the time and live out the word and God will make you victorious over those things that are trying to bind you. Come on, somebody. That's what we need in our lives. And, and what, how that happens is we are conformed into the image of his dear son. The Bible makes this very clear process, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I say it to you all of the time. And here's what it says in the New King James. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And he goes on to say, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be the proof of what is good and acceptable and pleasing to the Lord, in the will of God. So here's what that means. That means if our general responsibility and purpose in God is that we be conformed into the image of God, then what we do is we renew our minds by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God, and we change that, that word literally transformation is where we get the word metamorphosis. It's a Greek word, metamorpho, and it means to change over a process of time and pressure. And so when we get into the Word of God and are helped by the Spirit of God, it transforms us, metamorphosizes us. It changes us into the person God intentionally wanted us to be. And all of that just means we're being conformed into the image of His dear Son. You guys all know what the term means, imago dei, when I say it, the image of God. And the Bible says that when we were created, all mankind, this is why you should give every person dignity. Whether you agree with them or not, doesn't mean they're saved, but the impression of God is on their life because God created them. So you shouldn't hate people. The Bible says, how can you say ugly things about people who were made by God? You say great things about God, then you say ugly things about people who were made in the image of God. So how can you do that? How can we hate people who we know and can see and then say we love God who we cannot see? The, the image of God is on us, but because Adam and Eve fell in the garden, we sinned, we began to fall away. And that has been thwarted and and, and disfigured. And what has happened when we get redeemed is God begins to conform us again back to his image. That's why the word repent, we get the word repent, it means to come back up here again. You, you heard the word penthouse. The root word of penthouse is that word uh, house predicated by pent and it means up high. High. Get high again. Not like you're thinking. Get back up high again. Right? God is high. God is above. God is not intermingled or interwoven or intimidated or messed, mingled in with the way limits that we have. And he's saying when we repent, he's saying, come back up here with me. When I walked in the garden with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and we had a relationship, he's saying, stop being separated. Come back up here with me. So our general purpose is to be conformed to the image. Then Matthew ch chapter 28 says, go make disciples. What we would say, spread the joy. 
The joy of Jesus Christ, the joy of the gospel of Christ. That is not for certain people who are considered evangelists. Jesus wasn't just speaking to evangelists or people who have the gift of evangelism or the gift of preaching or the gift of communication or whatever the gift may be. It wasn't just for those. Every believer, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, were given the responsibility to be ambassadors for Christ. Hey, you know what? One thing that could give you hope right now is our citizenship is in heaven. We aren't just here. This, we aren't just existing here. I'm so thankful for the United States of America, but this is not my home. I'm just passing through here. And someday I'm going to leave here because my citizenship is in heaven. And I, and I don't need some kind of uh, uh, anything else. I just need that relationship with God gets me into the presence of God, into heaven. And, and so right now, even though I'm not in heaven, I am representing heaven on the earth. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we are ambassadors for Christ and our whole role and responsibility is to draw men to a relationship with God. Ministry of reconciliation is the ministry that God has given us. It's what Jesus came to do and when he left, he left it for us to do. What did he tell us? He said, occupy until I come. What does that word occupy? Take my place. But what does take my place mean? He had an occupation. What was it? To reach the entire world, bring them out of sin, into a relationship with God. That was it. And he's saying to us, now that's your job. So a general purpose for God, that God has for you, is that. That you be conformed to the image of Christ and that you become a carrier of this joy, this gospel, this life. And you, the Bible even literally says that we should do it as if God, by the Holy Spirit, is drawing people through us to him. It gives the language like he's desperate for them to be in the family. Amen? Then there's a specific purpose. And, 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 and everybody always wants to know, what, why am I here? What, what's my purpose for being here? Your gifts and your talents, your abilities, your strengths are all good indicators for God's purpose for you. There's a reason why God made you the way he did. There's a reason you have the personality you do. There's a reason why you have the skills and the gifts and the propensities that you do. Because it's, it's, it's an indicator to the direction you should go. It's an indicator where you fit. It's an indicator what God's specific purpose is for you. This is why we shouldn't allow a system to decide for us what our purpose is. This is why so many people go to college. I love, I, love, I love college, and I think it's a great thing. But so many people go to college, and what? 75% of them don't ever use the degree that they got. Why? Because they allowed a system to decide for them their purpose. And do you know what? Your career is never your purpose anyway. Your career is the platform for your purpose. And sometimes we don't fulfill the purpose of God, so we're hung up on our career, and, and, and it scares us to think, I've got to, I, I, I could change this and it would be okay. I'll make it. I'll be good because I'll be living in my purpose. We have a specific purpose, and our gifts and our strengths and our talents and our abilities all indicate that. You know, the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Well, we understand that. We understand that to mean that if you teach a child good moral things, then they'll stick with that later. Well, how many of you have seen that that's not always the case? 
That's not what that scripture was referring to. The scripture was referring to, it literally says in some uh, translations, train up a child in the way they are bent, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. And by bent, it means the characteristics, the direction, the path that God has set them on. How many of us as parents have set our kids on a trajectory that was other than what God had for them? I've had people come to me and say, God's calling me to ministry. Now, it's not always people aren't all. Listen, when you really get dedicated for the Lord, everybody don't get called to full-time ministry, okay? So if that's what you're scared of, don't worry about it. But I've had young people come to me over the years and call to ministry, call to go to missions, call to do this, and know it in their heart. But their parents were so afraid of it, and they couldn't understand the context of that, that they literally turned them purposefully another direction. I won't pay for that. I won't help with that. I won't support that. Do we understand that we could be find ourselves fighting against what God wants for our own children? We, we, we all have a specific purpose. And the way to find that is to submit to the voice of God, submit to the heart of God, submit to the things of God, and then allow the things that God has already indicated to us to show us a direction that we should go. Why would God send you somewhere in, in a, to do something you couldn't do? Why would he do that? I don't want to submit to God because he might make me do something I don't want to do. He might make me go somewhere I don't want to go. Well, that could be true. But most likely, why would he purposely send you somewhere that you would be resistant? Or that you weren't capable of handling? That's counterintuitive. God's smarter than that. But we get these religious mindsets and we, 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 we commit ourselves. I'm not saying that God won't have you do something that's uncomfortable. God sent me to places I didn't want to go before. Come on, somebody. I didn't know that, there were, that I was going to do missions. I didn't have any clue. But God just opened that up to my life. I never had any interest in it. I'm going to tell you how fleshly I was. When, when someone said missions, I, I grew up in a denominational church. All that meant to me was really weird-looking people that really were boring as all get out that would come to the church and talk to you till you fell asleep. And, and that's what I thought of missions. I grew up in a pastor's house. So, so when everybody, I did every other kind of ministry, I never, ever, ever had this thought of, I'm going to do missions. Until an opportunity came open and just, God just pushed me into it. I remember the meeting where our pastor said, hey, we, we need somebody to lead this trip to Cambodia. And we just went around the table and around the table and talk and discuss and what's it going to be like and what are we going to do. And I just remember we came to a resolve. And I walked out of that room and was walking out of the church building and it dawned on me. I said yes to do that. I'd never been anywhere, y'all. I'd never been anywhere. I mean, the only place I'd ever been Sydney, Australia... And that was for a conference. And I'd never been out of the United States. I'd never been on a mission trip to Mexico. I mean, nothing. But then God's sending me to Cambodia to lead 40 people in Cambodia to do this big, massive crusade. 30,000 people showed up to. And we, and we just did all these giveaways and food things and, 
and, and education things and built three hope centers and just, just crazy stuff. And then at the end of that trip, I stood up. We had like a debriefing banquet that we'd do. Everybody, we had great food, and, and we'd sit there. And, and, I, and, I, and I finally told everybody, hey, this was my first trip. Let me tell you something. The panic, that the trip was over. But people's faces were like, what? What? <laughs> like, we can't get home now because you're crazy. But you never know what's inside of you until you move in the direction of gifts and talents and abilities that you have. How do we get to purpose? We serve our way to purpose. We don't want you just coming serving in the church and in the outreaches and the departments of the church because we need you to do it. No, we want you to do it because we know there's giftings in you and there's potential in you that when you start serving, stuff will come out in you you didn't know was in you. And it could lead to greater things in your life and the purpose of God in your life and manifest in different ways in your life. Amen? Man, i got to wrap this up. Um, he wants you to... De- you notice how I said that and just kept going. He wants you to deploy your purpose. I'm just going to close here in just uh, two seconds. He wants you to deploy your purpose by steps of faith, by obedience... To his word. Not by just acting. Not by just dreaming. But by doing. Not just by talking or or dreaming. Doing it. Doing it. Our purpose works together with other people's purpose to achieve kingdom purpose. See, so, so when you're not living your purpose or running your race, it's affecting the race of other people. Like, it's like you're a leg in this race and I'm waiting on the baton but you don't run your part so then I'm waiting on the baton but I never get it because there's a gap right the Bible tells us that that we are creating a church that Jesus is the cornerstone and each one of us are smaller stones that are being built one on top of the other our giftings our strengths our abilities our purpose our call being built to make this great home for God And my question to us today is, am I serving my way to purpose or am I waiting on my purpose to come to me? So we've got to get in the general purpose of God, but we also have to get in the specific purpose of God. I can't go into all of it. You set your pace by beginning with the end in mind. I'm going to have to preach that next week because there's no way. I don't want to speed that up. This is like three or four messages in one, so we're just going to stop right there. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about setting your pace by beginning with the end in mind. And there are some powerful principles there, principles of faith that will literally push your life forward to the purpose of God and to the plan of God and to the things that God wants to prosper in your life when you do them. That literally, there's a place you can get into. There's a place you can get into in God, in running your race. When you know where the prize is, you know what the goal is, you know what you're trying to achieve, and you look and think that way. Paul the Apostle, what did he say? I press on towards the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. What happens is when we press on towards the prize, the prize is pulling us to it. When you don't feel motivated and you don't feel like you can do it, it's pulling you to it. It's like a magnet drawing you to it. You want to get distracted, but you just keep coming back. You want to go over here, but you just keep coming back. Why? Because 
you begin with the end in mind, knowing that God has a purpose for you and a plan for you that's going to be prosperous and blessed for you and for the people around you. Amen. Hope you receive something out of that this morning. We'll finish it up later, and I know God will use it to practically enhance your life. But listen, God has a purpose for you specifically today. And you don't need to worry about it. And it's not a mystery. It's not this thing that God's hiding from you and playing games with your life. It's something that you'll find as you serve his kingdom and as you seek his word and as you talk to him. He'll begin to speak to you and manifest things in your life that will affect you in positive ways. Amen? Amen. How many want to live in that place? That's the place I want to live. I don't want to struggle. I don't want to be distracted. I want to fulfill the purpose of God. Father, we thank you for your word today. You are a blessing to us, God. Your word is a blessing to our lives. It changes us. And Lord, we want to be conformed into your image. We want to run our race. We know you have a race for us. We want to run it. And we want to be fulfilled in that. And we want to bring people into your kingdom as a result of that, God. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. Same on church online. I just want to encourage you, if you're here today and you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, we're going to put a number up on the screen. I'm not going to have you come forward or speak out or do anything like that. This is a personal thing between you and God. Public profession, that happens later. But right now, this is just you and God. And if you're at church online or you're here and you can say, you know what, I'm not running my race. Honestly, I don't even think I'm in the race. You know, I say, I've watched it from the outside. I've observed other people running. But I've never really submitted my life to the coach. I've never really let Jesus in. I've, never, I've, I've been a cultural believer. Or maybe I've never been a believer. Maybe you've never known Christ. Maybe you've never asked. Maybe you've come from bad places like I did. Maybe, maybe you come from sinful, really sinful. Maybe you're not. Maybe you grew up and you're a pretty moral person, but you don't really know Christ. You're not really in the race. Maybe you're a person who, man, you've been a runner before. Like you have been in the race. But man, somehow you got off the track and you're running on some pace and some place that's not where you're supposed to be and you know you need to make it right. If you're in any one of those situations today, you can, you can text to 94090. I know that sounds weird, but with all this COVID, this is the way we decide to do this. And you can text, what, what do they need to text, Connor? Just text next one to that number, whether you're online or whether you're here. And then we're going to follow up with you. We have a pastor that will follow up with you. And we have a book, materials that we want to put in your hand that is a free gift to you that will help you along your spiritual journey. And, and then we're going to give you some things and pray with you and give you some things that will help you to know how to grow and how to run your race and how to get in the game. And so... I want to pray with you, and I want everybody to pray along this prayer with me, if you will. We don't know who's making this decision this morning, but really it's none of our business at this point. Later it'll be our business, but right now, it's just them and God. And so if you want to pray with me, let's pray. And everyone in the room, pray this prayer out loud in support of those who may be praying, especially online. Pray this after me. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to run my race, God. I know you created me. And I want you to use my life. I, I decide right now.
You are my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I commit to follow you from this day forward. I accept your grace. I accept your love. And I accept your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise for people who may have made that decision.